Welcome to The Mortar and Pestle, a PCCA podcast where we discuss all things compounding and all things concerning independent pharmacy. Now, here are your hosts, Mike Delisio, North American Sales Director, and Sebastian Dennison, Clinical Compounding Pharmacist. Welcome, Compounding World, and welcome to the latest episode of A Mortar and Pestle, a PCCA podcast. This is Mike Delisio, and as always, joined with Sebastian Dennison. Hey, Mike, how are you today? Uh, I didn't do like a, hey, Seb, how's it going? <laughs> I just looked at you. I, we're not on video, so no, I, I, kind of, I, I felt it. I felt that look. I felt it. It's good. Um, we're post-international seminar. We had an amazing seminar, amazing guest experience. Um, so amazing to see so many members connected live and virtual. Um, and I don't know if I, this is the appropriate term. It always feels like a hangover right after um, because it feels like something is missing because there's such a big buildup for such a long time. Well, yeah, and it's such a such a sort of exciting endorphin rush to kind of meet with everyone. And then, yeah, the hangover almost is a appropriate. It's almost like a postprandial sort of relaxation. <sighs> yeah, and now we're in... We're in the, the home stretch end of the year, and we were we're really contemplating about where we were going to go next, what the next episode was going to be. And, and I'm so happy and proud that an individual that we were familiar with for such a long time decided to come and join the PCCA staff. And that is none other than Mr. Matt Lester, newest member of our clinical services team. Afternoon, gentlemen. Matt, welcome to PCCA because you've been connected with us for over 22 and a half years. And we'll talk about your experience working with a member of pharmacy, but the whole practice story, should we start, should we start right there? Yeah, we yeah. can definitely do that. Uh, you know, I, I had a face built for radio before Pracasil. <laughs> so just you know, Pracasil just helps smooth it out. And so when it comes to the story of me getting Pracasil, I begin by blaming my wife. My wife blew out her knee. And uh, because of that little medical bill, we reached our deductible. And so she came in to me one day and said, oh, by the way, I made you an appointment for the dermatologist. I said, well, why did you do that? And she goes, well, you're bald. I'm like, okay, thanks for noticing. <laughs> that very, very astute observation. Thank you. <clears throat> yeah, I guess those two go together. So I went to the dermatologist. Dermatologist looked me up once, looked me up down, said, you know, everything looks good. Do you have any questions? I said, no, no, thanks. Oh, wait what's that little bump on my nose? I've had it for about seven or eight years. So the dermatologist took a closer look and said, I'm going to do a little shave biopsy. I'm like, oh, okay. So she did a shave biopsy. It came back negative. She goes, you know, I have a funny feeling. I'd like to do a punch biopsy. You're going to have to have stitches. I said, oh, great. First time in my life, I'm going to have to have stitches and it's going to be for a biopsy. Needless to say, I don't know how many stitches later after they found out it was basal cell, um, I was in a whole different mind frame. So it came out basal cell. I had to go through the Mohs surgery procedure twice where they check for clear margins after they do one cut. Then they go back and they cut out any additional portions that have cancer. And so I remember going home and that was probably the only time in my life I can say I honestly felt depressed. Just, just looking at that, not having anticipated that. So my best friend, uh, Jeff Carson, the owner of Oakdale, he came and looked at me and he's like, oh my. And I'm like, thank you. And he says, no, PCCA has a new product that they just came out with. I'm going to bring it to you. And so he came out and brought it to me. And the day they removed the stitches was about a week later. I started using Pracasil. And 
needless to say, the, derma, the dermatologist was amazed. The surgeon asked me, now, what are you doing again? And it was just Pracosil by itself. And needless to say, it speaks for itself on my forehead. You know what? It's funny. I, I still look at you to this day, can barely see it. Can barely see it. And I know for those that... Uh, for those that are not aware, Pracosil was a base that was released, I believe, in 2012 or 2013. Um, we talked about this in our innovation podcast, and really it was designed uh, for the either the incorporation of active ingredients to be used in scar formulations, but also to be used as a standalone product if applied enough times over the course of a day, specifically in your case, post-surgery. Um, and then your pictures were so awesome because you showed your progression. That was pretty cool that you were willing to do that because at that point, you had worked for a member pharmacy, um, you know, no tie to the company whatsoever, but there were some pretty amazing results. I had never taken selfies in my life. I thought they were <clears throat> uh, just something I would not do. <laughs> and it was a journey that I felt I needed to follow, and it was kind of for me. And the more I watched it, I don't even remember who I contacted at PCCA or if I was suggested, hey, you ought to let them know that, that I sent those pictures in. And I'm so glad I did. Yeah, it's such an amazing story. Um, thanks for sharing that to start off the podcast. You're much more than that. Um, you're somebody who brings a wealth of experience. And really the reason why we wanted to have you on the podcast specifically was really to talk about your experience managing a very large independent community pharmacy that focused on compounding. I think that goes Without saying, you mentioned uh, Jeff Carson's name, um, owner of Oakdale Professional Pharmacy in San Antonio, and that obviously grew to multiple locations over time. What was your journey like, Matt? Because I mentioned that you were there for 22 and a half years. How did you find Oakdale? How did you uh, initially start with them? And and what was your progression in, in your own time? Because you're a pharmacist by trade. So... Jeff and I were actually roommates at the University of Texas at Austin. I, I, where is that? That that would be the University of Texas. When people say UT, it's definitely is burnt big, orange. Is that a big school? Oh, it's the school. Okay. I hadn't heard of it. Oh, okay. yeah. Welcome to Texas. <clears throat> okay. So we were, we were roommates, and um, we became, of course, great friends. Uh, we would spend time together. He's the reason I moved to San Antonio. I moved there uh, to work at a, at a retail chain. And so that retail chain ended up going out of business. Then I moved to a second retail chain and I'd been with them about 10 and a half months. And he and I were doing what any good friends would do. We were playing darts and he said, you know, I don't know what I'm gonna do. I had two pharmacists that ended up giving notice. And so we decided friendship comes first and we would give it a go. And so needless to say, 22 and a half years, it must've been a pretty good go. I remember when we started, we had just the one location and three licenses. And I remember we were averaging about five compounds a day. I remember the day we hit 12 compounds, I thought I was gonna die. And here I am at CORE working with uh, new compounders, seasoned compounders. It's fun reliving some of those memories. I've worn them, I have made every possible mistake out there. So this is actually something that we really pride ourselves on within our clinical services team is that we, find such amazing talent, but it's, it's mainly because of our experiences and our, and our, and our real true, um, history that gives us, gives us that ability to extend it into new membership and current membership. So you said you started 22 and a half years ago, and then you kind of jumped in both feet. 
Um, at one point, you'd grown your pharmacy group to three locations, five licenses. You had multiple labs going, and and this spurred on a change for you. So it was interesting when I started. I told Jeff the one thing I did not want to mess with was compounding. Jeff, you can do anything. You know, you you can you can do all the compounding. I'll do the nursing homes. I'll do retail. I just oh, I don't want to do with that. You have to wash your hands a lot and clean. Needless to say, when he would uh, leave or go on vacation or have to take something else, I had to spend more and more time in the lab, and I really fell in love with it there. That's that's where I enjoyed seeing the impact I could make that you could not make with traditional medications. And so, yes, we had the one location, and so we opened a second location there, and it was a couple years later we had the opportunity to spread to another part of the city. And so we opened our third location there. So we actually had five licenses in three different locations. And the more I watched that, I didn't necessarily have a leadership role at that point other than I had the owner's ear. Uh, I began commenting that it seemed very inefficient to be running three labs with three sets of staff, three sets of equipment. Just, it, it just, I was watching the quality assurance bill go up and up because we were having to do three sets of quality assurance, three sets of cleaning every single day, twice a day at a minimum. And so I, I started suggesting, why don't we go to one lab and, and then we can deliver to our other locations. And it took probably about six years, eight years, something like that, of that pushing to begin to contract. And so we decided we're going to do it very strategically. We're gonna take the pharmacy that was doing the least amount of compounds and move it to where we wanted our central lab. And we kind of tested what we were gonna do with that. And it worked out very well. We were afraid we were gonna lose 25, 30% of prescriptions. And really, I'm not even sure if we lost one or two a day. And so then about three months after that, we moved our other location into our centralized lab. And the patients never saw a difference. They never saw a problem. And our efficiencies went up. It actually was uh, quite remarkable. What was your what was your favorite part about that, having that leadership position and the responsibility of, you know, overseeing that type of environment? I'm going to be careful with the adjectives that I use to describe it. Not adjectives, but the... The, the, the words to describe, you know, a centralized location that's servicing other stores. Um, what was that for you? And, you know, it obviously, it must have grown and grown and grown to a point where it was a very substantial role. It was. Um, it, it grew enough. So, you know, I'm, I'm overseeing originally the three labs, making the suggestion, going to the one lab. And it, it helped ease some of the pressures that were on me because I didn't have to worry about how each lab might be operating slightly differently. You, you, we improved consistency and it was under direct observation. So that was beneficial. But the thing that it actually, the more I grew with the leadership and the, and the thing that it actually caused me to think about is I'm a pharmacist. I don't know business. I don't understand business all the time. I mean, yeah, I'm, I'm going by my gut, but what am I missing? And so actually it prompted me to go back to school and get my MBA. And so I decided getting an MBA would help me maybe see things from a different point of view. And, and sure enough, it was very interesting. As I was going through my classes, I began noticing things differently. And as an example, uh, our store was open eight to seven and we were having problems 
staffing technicians during all those times, whether it be family events, whether it be spouses or traveling. And I began kind of looking at it differently, thinking, well, yes, the store is open to patients eight to seven, but why does the lab have to be open eight to seven? Why, why must we force technicians to be there? And the more that I looked at that, the more I realized the one technician from eight to nine and the one technician from six to seven tended to have a little bit lower production. And so I made the suggestion, why don't we have our lab go nine to six, cluster our technicians together a little bit more and see what that does to operations and production. And sure enough, we got increased production. I don't know if it was the peer pressure from the eight to nine tech kind of stretching, going to get their coffee, but it, it really, it was interesting seeing, and that was just one change, but it, it was fun knowing that that education had nothing to do with pharmacy, was helping me uh, improve production and help patients. And so then that took it on to another role because you oversaw this consolidation. You Then you oversaw this sort of development of process and, and staffing, but then you've also overseen renovations and then also a change in the absolute business model because this is all kind of coming from this sort of education and, and development. Yes, it all came from that. There was the... There was the uh, innovation. So when we started building, uh, we thought we were doing what we knew best. We would read the USP guidelines and we would kind of sketch out what we thought. Uh, we then got with a general contractor and we had them help uh, develop some plans and we reviewed them again based on that, the previous USP. And having done that, I would recommend against it. Uh, I would recommend going with a service that has it as a specialty. Um, as an example, our air handlers, they work great, but the problem is then we had to keep that part of our building at the same temperature that we had our clean room. So there were times in the winter that some of our offices were in the low 60s. And so that was not always conducive. <laughs> and we had to, uh, one Christmas, we gave everyone Oakdale themed jackets. Mainly because of your temperature control and because you're just so kind hearted. Kind hearted, that's what I'm going with. <laughs> But, but I think that that's actually a really important discussion. The new changes with USP, uh, the new chapters being published, and just getting a really good handle on that. And if people aren't specializing in that, that's going to be, how do, how do you learn all of that and then carry that over to a contractor who's never done it before versus working with a specialty group and people who are aware of all of this information and have been living it for the last couple of years. It's, it's a big deal. I know Mike's probably got some comments that he's going to jump in with. So we'll, we'll save that, Mike. But... You also oversaw this significant change about two years ago, I think, with your actual business model. And I'm, I'm excited about that because I think this is something that a lot of people have questions about. So I don't know how many people out there were affected when TRICARE did the giant clawback. All of a sudden, one day we wake up, we look at our bank accounts, and they're significantly lower. They had taken back prescriptions that they felt did not have a proper doctor-patient relationship, and they had recouped that prices. And it was from almost five and a half years prior. And so there was a lot of shocks going on at that point. One shock, what do you mean lack of a proper relationship? Another shock, if that's just a six-month period five and a half years ago, how are you going to progress? Because we know if, if compounders let that clawback stand, then they were gonna to go to five years ago, four and a half years ago, four years ago, until eventually they had recouped everything they wanted to. San Antonio is sometimes called Military City USA. 
And we have several bases, several base physicians and lots of military families. An example of what they thought was an improper relationship is because they did not see a doctor's office charge through TRICARE, but they saw a pharmacy charge. Well, these military individuals would go to their base, go to the practitioner on the base where they would not have it billed through TRICARE. So TRICARE didn't see that charge, so therefore they thought it was an illegitimate relationship. After spending several months gathering all the data, all the prescriptions, sending it in, going through lawyers, that's probably what began our thought process of, do we really want to continue billing insurance? We know that they're narrowing what they're covering. We knowing it's hurting patients. And so we really began evaluating the possible transition to a compounding only model. And the more we began thinking about it, the more we thought, you know, th this is, I, I believe this is the future of compounding. Let's focus and, and remove the distractions. And that's what we told our staff. We said, let's get rid of some of the distractions and focus on what we do best. We feel that we are the best compounder. We feel that we focus the most on quality. We had a designated person before it was in vogue. We've probably had a designated person for the past five years. And so we, we decided, okay, we're the best compounder around. Let's just go with that. And so some of the staff was nervous and I, I you know, helped them understand that 80% of our problems were coming from 20% of our prescriptions. So how is our life gonna improve? And as part of that discussion, we became aware of RX Dispense. And so we, we had a few demos with RX Dispense and as anyone that's ever gone through any type of pharmacy management system change, you know there's gonna be headaches. And so we, we balanced that out, but the more we looked at it and the more we saw the processes involved, the more we thought, nope, this is what we need to do. And so we supplied all of our data, everything that they needed to do the conversion. And uh, I still remember day one, September 1st, 2020. It was a very interesting day. Uh, we had everyone there. We had just removed all the retail. We had sent it to a uh, pharmacy that we allowed to open up two doors down from us mm -hmm. because we wanted our patients not to have to move very far. And I'm sorry, it was 2021. Apparently, I don't remember the date that well. That's okay. Um, but we found an independent who did not want to get into compounding. And so we allowed the independent to move in two doors down from us so that they could take care of our retail patients. And the retail patients, if they got a compound and a retail prescription, would still come to the same shopping center. And so day one rolled around and it was quite interesting, the chaos of moving that many prescriptions to another location. Uh, even though it was right next door, it was just, you know, we knew there were gonna be headaches. And so day two at 11 o'clock, I brought together our key staff. And uh, luckily some of the RX Dispense staff was there just to observe and to help if we needed them. And I looked at him and said, look, we are trying to fit a square peg in a round hole. We're trying to force this computer system to operate the same way our old one did. We're trying to use baskets. We're trying to use labels. This system is meant to be paperless. Let's embrace it. From this point on at 11 o'clock on Tuesday, we're going to go paperless. 
And so one day into it, we went paperless. And from there on, smooth sailing. I, I learned very quickly that RX Dispense was able to help ease our processes uh, by having it partitioned between kind of a patient side and a lab side. Every morning, our lab manager was able to go in, sort by the name of the prescription, and let's say we had three testosterone 1% creams. Well, she was able to immediately merge those three into one log. She was able to do that with numerous different compounds, and normally we were able to drop down 10 to 12 logs a day. And so you can imagine that many logs, that's an entire technician's time. So we were able to repurpose and find new ways to grow the business, like reaching out to patients proactively for refills. So all those factors combining at one time uh, turned out to be quite a blessing. Take operational efficiency on another level. Oh, immensely. So how did that change for you after you made that decision to go paperless, batch logs together? What was the operational impact on business and, and the amount of staff that you had and, and their efficiency? When we transitioned the retail, we made sure that every employee that we had was going to continue to have a job, whether it was with us or the new company. And so, yes, we did have a smaller staff, but that's because we weren't doing any of the retail mm -hmm. or the insurance prescriptions. And so as far as efficiency goes, imagine the amount of time it takes to deal with a transmission and a retransmission and a retransmission. Well, this NDC isn't covered. Well, this needs to be done this way. Oh, you have the metric decimal quantity wrong. All of a sudden, all those went away. And it's not until those insurance issues go away that you really realize how much of a time suck they are. And I think you mentioned it to me, and I think you, you may have used the word um, problems, not distractions, when transitioning <laughs> to a compounding only model without uh, having insurance necessarily being accepted. And so a year out, you must have seen some significant changes. Like after a year, um, did you change your actual prescription count of your compounds? Did you see that go away when you, when you made that transition? Did you have a, a significant negative response? We knew there was going to be a dip just based on calculations um, because we figured some of the insurance people would definitely leave just because they wanted to pay their copay. I mean, that's Period. I yeah. want to pay $15 or I want to pay zero. That's what my copay is. Oddly enough, some of them ended up coming back. And we heard on multiple locations, we would get a call back a month and a half, two months, sometimes two weeks later. Why isn't my prescription working? Well, what prescription number do you have? Well, wait a minute. That's not one of our numbers. And we would explain, well, you know, some medications have a salt form. I don't know. Uh, you might contact the pharmacy and see if they adjusted the salt calculation. And many of them at that point realized that, you know what, it's it's worth that slight added price just to receive the value I'm receiving from the product you're making. Yeah, it goes back to quality and quality assurance, designated person, a commitment to the quality of, of process and 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 chemicals and everything really and truly that's what it comes back to so you literally took the next question i had out of my mouth well it's because i'm reading your mind Rude. you you really We've did been doing this long enough i kept on thinking of you know what oakdale represented what what jeff represented in the san antonio area and then obviously everything that matt was living by in the mission of the pharmacy was a commitment to quality so you know what did that mean for you matt because there's a lot of pharmacies say they're committed to quality you know, but certain 
individuals might not practice it the same way um, and have it as a part of their core value and, you know, a centralized mission around we're going to do this the right way. We're going to do this the best way. We're going to do this the the best way for the patient and, and taking all those considerations um, at face value, whether it's facility, whether it's the quality assurance piece, whether it's the active ingredients, the bases, everything uh, that goes into the compound. So what did this mean for you? Uh, as you led the pharmacy initiatives and, and ran operations? So running operations, you're always trying to look at the bottom line. And part of our bottom line included the price that it took to get everything tested. And so we realized there was, you know, that's a, that's a high commitment. But when we were able to go out to practitioners and state, last year we spent over $150,000 in quality. A lot of times you get some job drops, and they would be <laughs> job draws. Yeah, yeah I got like it. That. Excuse well. me, Houston. Uh, I'm a little uh, decongest decongested prone today. Um, but it, it, we did have that commitment. We did put that out there. And we would always send out testing. We would use the testing in our competitive advantage. And so we always focused on the quality. But when you look at the price, and I believe I might have mentioned this to you, Seb, about Sometimes you look at some of those ingredients that aren't, let's say, narrow therapeutic index, aren't the estrogens, and you, you kind of look and and I thought, you know what, I'm I'm gonna I'm gonna try it. I'm gonna try this other minoxidil. The amount of time I spent the following month and a half remaking minoxidil prescriptions, listening to complaints, fielding phone calls, was enough to reaffirm the fact we are using a product that has a blue label for a purpose. Who can guarantee me the particle size? I know PCCA can guarantee me that. Who can guarantee me the solubility? I never had the problem when it was a PCCA product. And so I just use that as an example to my staff. Look, <clears throat> sometimes we're going to see a product that, that might look pretty, but it's what's on the inside that's pretty. <laughs> That is such a such a funny analogy because I, I actually had that conversation with a, another pharmacist today and they said, oh, it says USP. And, and, I, and, I, and I said that there's qualities beyond USP and that's a minimum standard for compliance, not necessarily the only standards that are going to be used in the compounding world. So I guess the next step is because where do you fit into our team? Because you have such this broad experience and, and how are you going to kind of shape your career in the next steps? Because I'm kind of looking to you and be like, what can't you do? You're like agent of change and you've got all this, you've got an MBA and what do you want? Why are you with us? What do you want to achieve with the membership? Well, when I got my MBA, I got it for two reasons. One is I always thought, okay, what am I missing? How can I help the pharmacy improve, grow, just be better. And the other reason is I always wanted to join PCCA. And so it was a bittersweet day, my last day at Oakdale, but it was an exciting day as well. I always wanted to put on the blue. And the day I got my first blue shirt, I was so excited, went immediately and tried it on in the hotel room. And just, uh, I've told other people that I really felt like I was moving from one family to another family. I've, I've known the, the PCCA family for so long going, uh, going to get educated. Um, Aaron Michael was a huge influence on me um, with the way she always says lifelong learner. 
And I realized, you know, I really want to embrace that. And so that's one reason I decided to continue my education. I wanted to be a lifelong learner. And uh, it was a podcast I was listening to one day, not y'all's, even though I do have y'all's on oh, frequent that, that uh, autoplay. That totally hurts. Uh, but there was a entrepreneurial podcast I listened to, and, and there was a guy who said something that really hit me. It said, if you're not learning, you're dying. And so that was, that was kind of what kicked me over the edge. And so when it comes to this place, um, I don't know. I, I'm excited to find all the different ways I can help others. I can help members. Having been a member, I kind of understand that side of the equation. I know many of the consultants have been members at one point, And so they understand what a pharmacy has to do to successfully operate. And so using my background, I look forward to answering operations questions. Um, I was rented for three and a half years to a doctor's office to start a wellness clinic. And so in that wellness clinic, I got to interpret labs. I got to make suggestions on the prescriptions. And so I have a lot of experience when it comes to that side of it. And I was able to not only grow the Oakdale business, but I was able to help grow this wellness business. And so I understand many pharmacies are getting into the wellness practice. And so I'm, I'm excited to see because I know how far that can take a pharmacist. They, they can practice you know, more with their, they can use their license more. They can practice more to the fulfillment of the profession. <clears throat> we look forward to having you because obviously we've worked together for such a long time, but having you in this capacity, Matt, it's going to be something that's really cool. Um, I know our members will love it. And whenever they have a request for clinical services, you'll, you'll definitely pop in and they'll, they'll be more familiar with you, but you bring such a wealth of knowledge and experience and that's not, that's so unique. That's what I really wanted to say is we, you don't see that very often. And obviously you did it at a capacity that was extremely large and had a commitment to quality. So I think all that will translate extremely well amongst our membership. You're going to begin to bring some amazing things and we're so happy to have you here. I, I'm just going to say welcome to the team. Welcome to the family. It's great to have you here. Uh, I can't wait to see what you do with your position here because it's going to be really fun. But I am going to tell everyone who's listening, if you want to talk to Matt, there's two Matts on our team now. There's Matt Martin and there's now Matt Lester. Phonetically, we have a Matt, a Matt, and a Nat. So make yeah. sure you enunciate. <laughs> yeah, no decongestants today. But thanks, Matt. Thanks for doing this. I know you've only been with us for about a month and a half and we're already throwing into the podcast, but you're not a stranger to pieces yet. Oh, I'm excited to be here. Uh, we're excited to have you. And uh, thanks to all of our listeners out there who got a chance to tune into this. Matt has such a unique story. Obviously, his journey through basal cell carcinoma and, and what all that was, but more importantly, uh, for, the, for the sake of our audience, learning about operational efficiency and really what was important to running a pharmacy and not to take away anything that you went through, Matt, because it's uh, in a very unfortunate situation for you as well. So uh, thanks for sharing that personal journey. Uh, and for those that flip back and find your picture, now they know who you are. Awesome. Well, I look forward to meeting <laughs> them in person next year at International or okay. any event we have until then. Yeah, there you go. And like I said, thanks again for listening. If you are curious about following us along on social media, don't forget to follow us on LinkedIn, PCCA Twitter or Instagram under PCCARX. And then most importantly, in relation to the podcast, hit that subscribe button because you never want to miss an episode something as as great as what you just heard right now so once again thank you again for listening we'll definitely talk to you soon this is mike delicio until next time